0: From the hearts of the low country in South Carolina, it's the Take Two podcast, where we take theology to the next level. Well, hello, and welcome back to Take Two. This is our second week of podcasting, and you were saying strange things were happening to you.
1: Yeah, I I was actually going to ask you, have people just been stopping you in the street
0: yeah, I had one man stop me. He was like, "Are are you the guy who does Take two? And it was it was pretty overwhelming. that for that's an a, autograph and and a whole bunch of stuff.
1: I, I I will say from doing some market research here, I I can confirm that we do have listeners as far north in the United States as Maine. Wow, pretty big reach. that's
0: that's pretty big. That's pretty big, and probably they don't even know us. They just found <laughs> us and and stumbled upon us, so,
1: so, something like that. I wasn't gonna say that. Leanne's whole family is from right, Maine, right. But shout out to Nanny for watching our yeah. podcast. She yeah. makes the best coffee cake in Penobscot County.
0: Okay. All right. So, well, I'll, the next time I'm there, yeah. I'll yeah. have to stop there by and, and get some. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we're working through, and I want to say at some point in time, so maybe if you're listening to this sometime, this will already be true. I want to be able to say this podcast is available everywhere, podcasts are found. <laughs> Um, But we're working through some technical difficulties with registering with Apple. And I think as soon as that happens, we'll be able to truthfully say that. But, Come on, Apple. Uh, Get it yeah. together. But we if did. you're listening to this, you found us somehow, and, and we appreciate it. Uh, yes. I thought that maybe we would go over just some things that I have them marked as uh, confirmations or corrections. So we had questioned whether... Abraham had any children other than Isaac or Ishmael, and it is true. He did have other uh, children. After Sarah died, he took up uh, another handmaiden or concubine or something, wife. That was good, celebrate the wins, because we got some losses coming up. (laughs) That was our win. We did have some losses. Uh, We were talking about uh, Paul going to be in prison with Festus and Agrippa Um, and I, we both knew, I think, well, I knew, did you know it was in one of the Caesarea's?
1: Well, I, this is embarrassing for me. I did because I have been physically (laughs) to both of these places and I said it wrong and I can like envision and it's like the
0: water's right there. Right. Right. So So it's maritime, not Philippi. So I guess Caesarea Philippi is up North closer to the Golan Heights. And, um, yeah. And then Caesarea maritime is near the sea, which is where he was held and then the last one, it, this one's very on too, I think. Very yeah. minor, very minor, but we attributed a quote to you know Charles Wesley, and it was supposed to be I, John Wesley. I feel Wesley. like they're a package deal. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> they're they like are, hymns they and pre- ones
1: a preacher. I don't know. It's like they yeah. go together. <laughs> yes. Yes. yes,
0: So those aside, uh, I think we're ready to to pretty much launch in um just 30 seconds. We do look at uh, our sermon on Tuesdays that was preached at our church where Joel is our senior elder and we're both part of the elder boards. And um, so that's what we're gonna be doing. We're gonna be looking at his second sermon on the book of Romans. So we got some notes and um, we're going to read the text. So today's text was from uh, 1, 8 through 17. And um, how about I read that for us? Fantastic. And then you want to just maybe hit a brief, start a brief overview on yeah, some of the introduction? Yeah. So let me read the text. This is Paul. He says, first, I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world for God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now at last by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. All right, so there's our text.
1: All right, jumping into a brief overview of the sermon, and and I don't know if the sermon notes will be posted on our website uh, at CBC, but we should work on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's...
0: I've never... I assume it's something that Sermon yeah. Audio can do. Um, so maybe we talk to Danny, or I don't know. That's a good question. That, yeah, we can we can make it happen. Yeah, we know yeah, we know people so. at yeah, Charleston yeah, Bible.
1: Yeah. Um, if, if you if you have the notes, I'm looking at them right now. The title of Pastor Joel's sermon today was "I Am Not Ashamed of the Gospel," and and he's leaning in, into that part in his overview. Um, kind of saying, you know, asking the question, you know, are you ashamed of God? Are you proud of God in a way? And he's showing pictures of his grandkids. He's having some of the engaged uh, kids in our <laughs> church, you know, talk about their their fiance, and, and really leaning into that versus the other side of thing, uh, the fear, the fear of man that might prevent us from sharing the gospel, which is so powerful that that we 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 don't need to be ashamed. We need to share that, and and he, he comes back to this picture of Mount Everest, that we're, we're embarking on this long journey, um, but but not necessarily just because Mount Everest is the, you know, longest or the tallest peak, but that it has, you know, Romans, by comparison, is the most uh, thorough treatment of the gospel, right. that, you know, we're going to be here a while, but we're going to learn so much uh, along the way, and and like Pastor Joel always does, you know, brings us up to speed. Quick review of last week with, with uh, some of that greeting stuff, uh, but then moving right along into the next section about this prayer Paul is talking about.
0: Yeah, and the, the prayer, it's its like, it's like one of those things that Paul, a lot of Paul's writing is very outline-y. Like it's boom, 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 and uh, it's easy to follow. And the prayer, he kind of weaves back and forth to, it's like, oh, Paul, you're praying a little bit right here. Now you're talking to the Romans right here. Now you're you're telling the Romans about your prayer life for them. But clearly, um, he says that he was praying for them often, and that he was happy that they were, you know, that their faith had become known throughout the world. And uh, Joel references Acts 18, 1 through 2. And I think something that you mentioned, uh, this first century historian last week, Susan Satanius, you you pronounce it for me. I I think that's right. I was was pretty happy that we hit it last week (laughs) and Jill hit it this week. I was like, this is good, this is good. Um, But basically he refers to the Jews being kicked out of Rome because of causing these little minor uproars and stuff over and over again and mentions that they were following this guy named Christus, Christus, Mm Crestus, spelled with an E. And um, Paul really is praising them like he's praising god but he's also encouraging the romans he's praising them like hey y'all are doing a good job your faith is being known throughout the world because at this point in time even though uh the jews have left that you know the jews became known who were following mm-hmm. christ and the ones who remain were, were being well known and william barclay um says that uh we can also often get the best out of others when we see the best in them so if we can you know, encourage one another, you know, build each other up, you know, try to get the best out of them. And then uh, Joel will often reference a verse in Proverbs 18. talks about the tongue having the power of life and death, and those who uh, love its fruit will eat from it. And so just like if we want to, you know, build one another up, we can find the positives, and we can encourage one another to keep going. And then he has a petition. Did you want to take that one?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll jump on that. Um, he's talking about his desire is to is to visit Rome. That he's been prevented thus far, but he wants to go there to impart to them a spiritual gift. And it's not just a one way street. He wants to be encouraged by them. It wants he wants to kind of have that going going bo- both ways. He doesn't give a reason, but but it's been prevented. And and what, from what you said and, and this, what moves me is man. Um, he doesn't even like know. He's never met this church. It's right. like man, I don't do a good job. I mean, you can ask Michael. I've encouraged this guy <laughs> lately. I'm not, it's like, I don't even encourage people in front of me. And it's like, man, Paul's going to great lengths saying, hey, wish I could be there. I can't. This huge introduction. Um, so that, that's basically his, his petition. Uh, and one of his, well, I don't know if I want to kick it back over to you for sure. this uh, application section that that where Joel kind of paused.
0: Yeah, because Paul even mentions in writing that he wants to do it but he's been been prevented and so he thinks it's God's will ultimately but he hasn't gotten that yet and so Joel just stops right there as he often does and will say let's let's apply this to our own lives like we need to in, in his notes we're plan and pencil so that you know sometimes we have a plan and God comes along and erases that plan and we'll talk more about that um, when we go a little deeper. On our take two, uh, towards the end of this one uh, but Joel also references James 4 where James is admonishing them don't say we're gonna go do this and this say the Lord willing we'll go do this and this because you may not be alive so if you're living then maybe you can go do those things and then uh, he talks about a passion for proclaiming the gospel
1: he, he mentions this kind of debtor yeah. he's got this obligation that he right. feels in debt that, that he needs to, to share, and he's eager to share the gospel, kind of setting, up, setting, setting the way for the theme verses for this passage, as I'm sure we're all very, very familiar with um, verses 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. Um, and I know uh, we've got this rabbinic formula in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, three, four, pr- 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 3 through 5, probably another passage right. where we're familiar with kind of this right. boiled down, like essential. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, looks like you got it. Yeah, oh, I he's ready to, for it. I, I love to, it. Yeah,
0: yeah. S- yeah, so this to me is, uh, especially if you're in the apologetics realm, Gary Habermas will talk about this because um, he, you know, Paul writes 1 Corinthians. It's one of the books that's not disputed. Uh, amongst you know scholars and he writes it probably i think they say around 55 and he's referencing a time when he was with them before 55 and so th- when he would have told them this information would have been before 55 maybe in the 50s and then but he it was passed on to him when he visited the uh peter james and john when he goes down to jerusalem which he details in Galatians. So. What he's passing on uh, is a very, uh, it, it is a very early uh, kind of essential boiling down of the gospel. So I'll just read that, and and he follows a rabbinic formula. So the rabbis would say, "I pass on to you what has been passed on to me," which is, which in contrast, remember Jesus said, "You've heard, but I say to you." So. That kind of astonished people because he was teaching from his own authority. But um, Paul writes there Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. And here it is for I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter's name, then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. So you have all these lists of, you know, this huge apologetic of the veracity of who Christ is, and Paul is saying this is what the gospel is, Christ's uh, life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that is the gospel, and that's what he was eager to preach. It's all
1: just like the gospel in a nutshell. It's a great, yeah. great passage just yeah. to have memorized because it's got it all. The, not all, but you the, know, essentials. You got the, as- the yeah, yeah. essentials. exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, Pastor Joel kind of transitions and and goes to what What are some reasons why someone might be ashamed of the gospel? Uh, first reason he he gives is that the gospel it's offensive. You know, you're talking about people being sinners that they don't measure up, that they're missing the mark. Mm-hmm. People don't want to hear that. I think a lot of people, you know, default, think they're pretty good, pretty good by nature. Um, briefly touched on the way of the master, Ray Comfort, and his technique to get someone to admit themselves that they've broken the Ten Commandments. Because when you start going through the list, you kind of find out you're not you're not hitting the mark even if you thought previously right. you were. Um, talks about the gospel being foolish, um, alludes to this text in 1 Corinthians 1, 20 and 24. Um, and really hits on, you know, without the Holy Spirit, we're not going to get very far that, you know, the wisdom of God, it's, it's foolishness to the world and, and a stumbling block to some, and, and that to some, they just look at it and say, hey, this, this doesn't make sense. I, I don't get it. That, that can cause someone to be ashamed to share it, that they're going right. to come off foolish.
0: Right. It's really backwards of because most world, well, I guess all of them except for Christianity, would say you're basically good... And if you are real good, then you can you know be with God. And Christianity reverses both of those. It's you're not good, (laughs) you're bad, not. Um, And and furthermore, your path to uh, back to God. This is kind of I I, kind of the both like. So the offensive part is you're not good. I take the foolish part to be your path towards God is not trying to be better. It's to give up and surrender and to uh, to admit. That you're not good and to put your faith in in christ and the sacrifice so it's kind of counterintuitive opposite of the world. Yeah. yeah yeah
1: um and then the last one he talks about the gospel can result in great harm especially in those days not so true for me i don't know what right. harm i know maybe climate's changing that kind of thing but paul he's in prison a lot man right. you look at what, what's going on with him it's like wow yeah. there's a lot of physical harm a lot of suffering that is a result directly linked to him sharing the gospel and we might you know at least feel the threat of whether it's physical harm or you know being ostracized or whatever it is yeah. uh, then, then he transitions to this phrase for it's the power of God
0: yeah so uh, it's the gospel and he's not ashamed of it and it's kind of backwards but now he has witnessed it himself like, he was transformed by this gospel. We know the road to Damascus story. Um, it's such an important part of Paul's life that Luke tells it to us three different times. And so you can kind of see in Acts 26, 16 through 18, how he relays while he is in Caesarea Maritime that um, he says, Here's the purpose. This is what God told me that he had for me. And uh, it radically changed Paul's life. And so he sees that, that power. And um, the next one was the righteousness of God. So the gospel, not only is it the power of God to deliver us from our sin, deliver us from our captivity, but it also deli- shows us a righteousness. And Paul's going to get more into this in, uh, later on in Romans, but it is um, a way for God, and I don't want to steal our future thunder, but it is there's a, a phrase that Paul uses later on. He says it allows God to be the just justifier. And so he can still be just, but he's not just like winking over our sin. He's not just going, oh, okay, that's fine. Like the gospel, because he, you know, it was a penal substitution for us. He was able to reveal his righteousness, his standard while at the same time, setting us free from that sin. So I'm sure that we will get more into that as we, um, uh, move on um, and it also says that the righteousness of God is from faith to faith and we're going to talk a little bit more about that so we won't spend a lot of time because that's one of the things that we're going to expand on um, but the bottom line is impossible to fulfill the law um, or to fulfill the, the, the needs of salvation through either the law or good works and that's what we're talking about like the foolish, foolishness of the gospel you have to kind of let go um, and you know, throw yourself at, at God's mercy. And that's kind of counterintuitive to our way of thinking, but that is what the gospel is. And then he goes on to say, um, for it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So you want to talk about that one?
1: Yes, for it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. He talks a lot about Martin Luther. I don't think I'll go into his whole biography here, but it's great, great thing to check out if you're not familiar. And, and it was really when he started looking, teaching, expounding on the book of Romans, came across this section and that that really shook his worldview. Uh, he said he, you know, he's pondering these verses night and day and grasped the truth that the righteousness of God is that righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy he justifies us by faith. And and he was going to great lengths to be the best monk he ever, you know, could be. And and he just felt he could feel that that he wasn't measuring up, that he was failing, and and looking at it through the lens of a righteous God declaring righteous and unrighteous mm-hmm. people, that just is a paradigm shift um, that that really reframes everything.
0: Yeah, that's great. And uh, yeah, I I know we're not going to spend a lot of time, but you know, one of the points that Joel brought out was how he would spend hours in the confessional booth inside a monastery. <laughs> so there's like not a lot to tempt, not a lot to tempt him. And I think yeah. he was even accused of like trying to shirk his chores. Like you're just in here, so you don't want to have to like do the other chores and stuff. But he had a very sensitive conscience to his sin. I'm sure it was both thought and deed that he was um, that he was confessing. All right. So as always, our sermons at uh, CBC end up with some application questions. So I'll just read through these, and then maybe we'll kind of hit our our take two, some where we yeah. expand. So again memorize uh, 1 16 through 17. So I'm working on that. I side recited yeah. to he, Michael's killing to, it. To, to Zach before you got before he got going. Um, and then just different ways to witness. So Joel gave us some tracts that we could hand out. We, he suggests that we invite people to our Easter uh, sermon that we could pray that we would have boldness and be willing to speak and not be, you know, have that fear that sometimes that we would have. And um, he says that Paul was thankful for the church in Rome. Uh, who can we express gratitude to, towards? So just yeah. like Paul said, thank you, we should be able to express gratitude towards someone.
1: Is there, is there something you want to tell me, Michael, right now?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Actually, I should be I saying thank you to Michael. No, no. He's bending over backwards <laughs> no, for, uh, no, that's, that's for some of this
1: stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's a good reminder. It's like, man, Paul didn't even know these. He knew these people. He had not been with them. It's like right. so much we can encourage others to be thankful and express that gratitude.
0: Yeah and then the last application was to take time this week to glory in our salvation in Jesus Christ and you know kind of just be amazed at it. You know we don't want to be complacent with the gospel and I think sometimes we've heard the gospel, we've you know we share it, we talk about it every Sunday it, be, it can lose its freshness but it shouldn't because mm. it's you know it's a it's a great thing.
1: And and even on that last point, I mean can you he encouraged us to think of specifics. What you have been delivered from, mm-hmm. and to, and I'm just thinking of you, Michael, not that big apologetic brain. Yeah. It's like, can you imagine thinking of the gospel is right. foolish? It's like, right. man, what a waste it would be to like chase down all the facts of the universe. It's like, ah, oh, right, you miss this, and, and then not
0: see the, yeah, 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 yeah. That's good, good. Okay, so. We had some things down here we might expand on and and touch on. And the first one uh, was just the use of spiritual gifts. So, Paul talks about wanting to go to the Romans and to to, impart a spiritual blessing to them. And um, so, Joel talked about, you know, that's kind of the nature of what it means to be an elder at a church or someone who kind of oversees or disciples, you really want to mature the folks in your congregation or who you're discipling. And you want to see them to use like a sports analogy to step out on the field, get in, get into the game. And you know, we all have different personalities, different gifts, different, you know, ways that God has shaped us, but to use those for his glory. And um, there's, you know, when, the Spiritual gifts are mentioned throughout the Bible. There's kind of these themes of when we use them, they're not for us to be puffed up, but they're for the good of other folks. And I remember, I don't know, when was uh Jack oh. one of our former elders? Was he when you and Leanne um gave your testimony to join way yeah. back when? Yeah, was it was he there? Ja- yeah, it was Jack and Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I must if he was there, I'm sure he said something like. You know, we are excited because we want to pour living wow, yeah. waters into you and to, you know, pour our lives into you. But we also expect you to pour your life into us. And so, um, you know, that's kind of what Paul's talking about is okay. that mutual, we want to pour into you. We want you to pour into us. And ultimately that gives glory to God because it represents a picture of Jesus Christ, the world. Um, when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, he's like, this is how the world's going to know you, your love for, for one another and how you, you stand out. And Danny hit on some of that day in the, the history when the church was going under persecution, how they're normal people, but their love for others, their love for each other and how they took care of each other stood out and it was a testimony to, to others. Yeah,
1: I, 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 like, I like that too, and the fact that that's how you really fulfill your, your purpose, not just being a consumer and taking, but that, but that back and forth. And, you know, I, I've known Jack White a long time. I wouldn't say we're like best, best friends, but every time I talk to him, he's got like such insightful, he always has something so profound that I'm like, man, this is so good to think about. And, you know, if you're not pouring yourself back into the church, wherever you're at, you're, you're missing out. You know, the church is missing out and you're missing out, you know?
0: Yeah, you're missing. And so, one of our things that I always uh, I think of when we're doing this is that spiritual gifts—they paint a picture of Jesus. None of us on our own have all of them. You know, we're we're kind of fragmented. Uh, someone might say stained glass, and uh, and we go together and we make this picture of who Christ is. And we talk about at our church being a beacon of hope a lot. That's the imagery that we use. We're on the coast. So there's lighthouses around us. And we talk, you know, we have some imagery of a lighthouse. And we always talk about uh, as a lighthouse is, it's not really our light that we are shining. We're reflecting Jesus's light. And so for me personally, I always pray that we would reflect that light faithfully so that we wouldn't be on and off, that we'd be a steady beam of reflection of who Jesus is. And that we would do it fully, so all aspects of who Jesus is. So, like, you wouldn't have parts of the beam cut out, but we would just be, you know, if Jesus spoke on this, and this was a part of who Jesus is, that we're reflecting that glory. And then it would be fervent, so it would be a bright light that people could see. Um, and so, since all those start with great, F, great analogy, you, you know, well, you know, it's got to be from the from the, from the Lord. the they all start with F. So great. so a beacon of hope that we're reflecting faithfully, fully. And, yeah. perfectly. and that, yeah.
1: that, that that's good. And even with spiritual gifts, you know, Paul later here says that he's like under this obligation. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to think about, he's under an obligation to the Greeks. It almost seems like, you know, he should be under obligation to God. It's how God works mm-hmm. through us where you can never pay back God. You're missing the point or it's not grace. And it's, you know, he feels that responsibility to use how God has gifted him to impact other people for the glory of
0: God. Yeah, and he mentions Greeks and barbarians, and, you know, a, bar- a barbarian to a Roman would be, you know... That's right, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. ...a foreigner, someone who can't even speak our proper language. They sound like they're saying bar, 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 because that's how they yeah. got that name. And so he's saying, no, I'm, I'm giving the gospel to everyone. Yeah, yep.
1: And then, then we maybe talk a little bit about this plan and pencil mm-hmm. concept. I think that's a great way to look at it because, you know, I, I think people can make the mistake of holding tightly to everything. Pastor Jill mentioned himself being the planning type. Mm-hmm. Are you the planning type? I, I really do like the plan. I think it just depends on what the context. I do. I like knowing does, what's going on. Does before. Leanne like the plan? Leanne's more of a planner. She makes me look like I'm not a planner. Okay. to be honest. Right. Um. So, you know, as Pastor Jill's saying, hey, you know, plan, don't hold too tight to your plans. Does that mean, hey, I'm off the hook. I don't have to plan. I'm <laughs> right, just going to live right. by the seat of my pants. Right, right. You know, do yeah. you have encouragement for that person?
0: Yeah, well, I think that there are two extremes to avoid because there's all this wisdom literature through James, through Proverbs. Even Jesus would say before someone builds a a silo or a granary, they count the cost. And so there's definitely nothing wrong to planning. Um, Solomon would say in Proverbs that you should know the face of your flock. Like if you're a businessman, you should know the health of your herds. So there should be this planning part. So he's not saying don't plan. In fact, James would say you can plan, just say if the Lord's willing. So you you might have people who, so I tend to be not a not planner, Mm -hmm. but I'm not,
1: you know, putting
0: in, you know, so that would be uh, probably most of of these issues. You're going to find yourself closer to one ditch or the other. And my ditch would be failing to plan where others are like tightly holding to their plan. And, there's a balance in the middle where we we plan, we try to be wise, we try to be good stewards of what God's given us, uh, but we hold that loosely. And so, you know, if we're planning in pencil, if God erases our plans, and we don't hold on to that that stubbornly, and we we um, we can trust in in God's sovereignty.
1: And and I, I added the notes kind of at the last second. I can share it briefly from my life. I know we don't want to. Spend a ton of time here, but like, what's a good, do you have a good example? I was thinking about my life. Is there an example where I had a plan and then things went haywire? And I think most of us, we look at our plan, our life, we see that.
0: Well, you, it's funny. I'll let you tell your story Yeah. because I think I know what you're going to say. But it is amazing if it's the same story that you and Leanne told right when you became an elder recently. Yeah, how much it mirrors mine and Jill's story. So that's why I want to say it first. So if you say <laughs> it next, I say you just copying me. You <laughs> yeah, got to yeah, get yeah. it there first. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Um,
1: that you know I had never set foot in Charleston in my life. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, my wife Leanne's from Maine. We met in undergrad in the Upstate of South Carolina, and. You know, I I was going to physical therapy school, and really, the only place I got accepted was the Medical University of South Carolina, which was a great thing, great school. Honestly, I was I was kind of was kind of bummed because I wanted to go back to where I was from, be with friends, be with family. Kind of had my life figured out that hey, I was going to get this degree, I was going to be in this city, and and really, God ordained my life. Through this way, where I got connected, plugged in with Charleston Bible Church, and something I never would have chosen. And even we, we were kind of like, "Hey, we're on the clock. Three years. Get get my doctor degree, and I'm out of here." And uh, we we just stay because that's where God clearly had us. Right. 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 And then we could t- talk about you know a hundred different things from the adoption of our children. It's like not in my plan. I had plans. Tried to walk faithfully in, in where God had me. And God blessed in tremendous ways, way more than what I would have chosen for myself. I'm very thankful that I did not get what I wanted because right. my life would have looked tremendously different.
0: Right. Yeah, very similar story. Uh, we grew up just uh, just west of Memphis in the great state of Arkansas and the Navy brought us out here. It was four years. We'll be out there four years and we'll come back. And then I got out of the Navy, you know, we were looking for employment. And I even applied at some jobs in Arkansas, none of them picked up. And I got an offer up in Baltimore and it was like this did not seem like a good thing. And then lo and behold, we got, you know, God bless us with a really good job here in Charleston. And through that, you know, we uh you know, our heart was we had already started, you know, um you know, the being at CBC and having our heart threads be sewn into to this body. And, uh, so we we're like, okay, well maybe we'll be out here a little bit longer. We'll see. We bought a house cause our family is growing. So we had Lydia and then like right after that, the housing market like dive, So like we could have moved if we, if we wanted <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were fine financially, but we weren't selling it for, you know, that big of a loss. And yeah. so, it was like God said, "Nope, you're here. I'm going to make you here." And so you know, it's been good. And so, like you said, the things that you would not have chosen for yourself, that God chose for us for our good and ultimately yeah. His glory.
1: And, and I, I think you would probably say this too: it's not that you just you know sat by or applying for this job. Like you mentioned, you were engaged and involved at your local right. church, using your gifts, sure. and God work through that. It's not, we're just kind of like sitting on the side, I'm like, God, figure out my life. And right. this how happens. It's like, no, we're right. actively, you know, being obedient right. at the same time.
0: Right. All right. Uh, did you want to talk to, from faith to faith, what does that phrase mean?
1: And it's, it's a, it could mean a lot of things, <laughs> right? You know, we read in, in that theme <clears throat> passage, or even looking at verse 17, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith or faith is ESV. I think it might be, say, faith to faith in the NASV. Yeah, um, that's I, the right one, I think. That, that, that's clearly the more literal <laughs> one, what our church uses, so I should uh, <laughs> should have my NASV out. Um, uh-huh. I got a footnote in the ESV that mentions it, it, another rendering could be the beginning and ending in faith. And, you know, I, I've heard people mention this could be, you know, God's faithfulness to our faith. You know, maybe that's it. I've heard um, that it could refer to the same sanct- you know the whole salvation process big salvation from justification to sanctification um we were talking a little bit before we we aired I think I think Michael's got a good seems like it makes makes a lot of sense you know from from the text what his thoughts are
0: yeah and the 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 only other thing is I've heard one covenant theology person oh yeah say that they viewed it as like God's promise to to um I don't want to say validate but to Honor, you know, a, a, a parent's faith to give it to their children's faith. That seems less likely to me. And I'm not saying all covenant theology people believe that. So I'm not trying to say that, that that's a reason covenant theology is wrong. I'm just I'm, that's another possible thing on the table. But I think the the ESV note where it says it begins and ends in faith. I think it's and I think the is it the New Living Translation that Joel that, read from yes, yes. Um, that says that it's. Um, Begins and ends with faith, where it's faith in beginning and faith in the end, something like that. Um, do you remember exactly what it was?
1: Man, yeah, I, I should have that. I, I don't. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But it,
0: it's something like that. And I think that's the the point is that it's not about works. It's not about you know trying to fulfill the law. The gospel is centered on faith, and we're gonna see that be a major theme in um, Romans. We get to Romans three twenty one. And it's going to talk about Abraham. You know, there's a righteousness revealed from God that is apart from the law, and it's and it's in and, and it's through faith. So I think that's what he's saying is it's just a faith-based gospel that it, it is all centered on faith.
1: Yeah. To- totally agree. Um, I see you got your boy Greg Kochel <laughs> quote here. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, uh, amongst all of the the stuff here. Um, in, in our world, uh, we can be fearful. So, part of the point was, you know, that Joel had mentioned was not being ashamed of the gospel and the, the fear of man. And Greg had mentioned previously, you know, amongst, you know, sharing the gospel or a plethora of other biblically based ideas and doctrines that are just going against the grain of culture. I think Mm -hmm. when you and I grew Mm -hmm. up, things were starting to change. I'm not as old as Michael. I want to set the record straight. (laughs) But anyway, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but even uh, as uh, recently as when you grew up, things were at least uh, generally culturally agreeable with basic you know, things. And we see a lot of things that are going against the Bible these days mm-hmm. with uh, questions of sexuality and gender. And so um, uh, we can be f- fear. Uh, we can be fear-based with those things. And um, Greg would mention, like, Pilate when he was uh, trying Jesus, he said that um, being afraid of the crowds, he handed them over to Uh, be crucified and so Pilate goes down as the guy who at least legally condemned jesus we know that the jews had a part in that as well and um we have this verse where it says that fear of man brings a snare i think that's a a proverb Mm -hmm. whereas the opposite is that fear of god is the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge depending on which verse you're looking at and amongst all of this, Greg uh, has been uh, quoted to say, faithfulness is not theologically complicated. Like, yeah, like there that. are some complicated things in the Bible. We tried to ferret out some stuff, but the big points are not theologically complicated. It, it's it's not hard to know what God's plan is for marriage. It's not hard to know what God's plan is for a myriad of things um, so it's not theologically complicated it's just you know takes us being more afraid slash respectful of God and his word than it is of, of man and our, our surroundings
1: man couldn't agree more that that's I know I am always wrestling with man don't let fear of man stop you from from these things um, and then in our closing minutes here I, I want to mention uh, verse 15 Paul mentions that I'm eager to preach the gospel to you I think it's a good thing to think about. You know, Paul's writing to the Christians in Rome, the church at Rome, and he's going to preach the gospel to them. You know, I think what we 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 look at that, and it would be a real mistake to say, "Man, I'm saved. I'm be, I've been justified. I've I've been converted. That I don't really need the gospel anymore." And that that's such a narrow focus. And you know, salvation does include justification by faith alone. Big part of salvation. Very important. But as as a Christian, as someone who's growing in Christ, someone who's being sanctified and later glorified, I need the gospel every single day. And you know, Paul's going to go through a lot about the gospel, right. even past when he's talking right. about justification, right? And so keeping that in mind, he, he's preaching the gospel to all of us. It's good to evangelize. It's good to be discipled and grow in that faith as well. So just wanted to highlight that.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll just make one additional comment on top of that. So I mentioned last podcast, two podcasts ago, that, uh, maybe both, but anyways, that I had two false salvation Mm. experiences. And during that time, um, when I would have said I was a believer, but I wasn't truly a believer, if I heard the gospel, I was kind of annoyed. Mm. I was like, this is like, can we, like, we all know this. yeah, yeah. Can we move on to the interesting stuff of the Bible? And so I have, you know, when I was, Doing youth, and when I've talked to youth, that's been one of like the first sign that maybe you're not really a believer is if we have a message or a sermon that's centered on the gospel, the foundation of what it means to be a Christ follower. And you're kind of annoyed at that, and you don't like your heartstrings, don't get pulled a little bit because you think, oh man, but for the grace of God, I could be in yeah. hell. You know, I could be have a life that's just totally different than maybe you're not a believer, you know? And so that might be a first check for you. Are you a truly a mm-hmm. believer? Because yeah, Paul is eager to talk about the gospel and he lives, like he lives and breathes the gospel and he's and he's all about it.
1: All about it. And then I have one last quote I want to say and then anything else you're thinking of, Michael, but going back kind of to the gospel is offensive. Um, we're in our college group, we're about to start a study, kind of walking through Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis and came across... It's a really good quote about about the gospel and what what C.S. Lewis says here when talking about Christianity is that Christianity it presents very terrifying facts. He says, I wish it was possible to say something more agreeable, but I must say what I think is true. Of course, I, I quite agree that the Christian religion is, in the long run, a thing of unspeakable comfort, but it does not begin in comfort. It begins in dismay. Religion, just like in war and everything else, comfort is the one thing you can't get by looking for it. If you look for truth, then you might find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you'll not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with, and in the end, despair. That the gospel, it is a hard pill to swallow. You've got to admit a lot of things are broken about you, Mm -hmm. but man, that, that leads to great comfort because we have someone, as Michael mentioned, is the just and the justifier of our faith. If you're just looking for comfort, man, that's... Might seem like the right decision now, but that that ends in despair. We need that truth of the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you for joining us for Take Two. That's our take, but we encourage you to get into the gospel and to to read these verses and come up with your own take.
1: Thanks for listening to Take Two. Find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube for those who want to watch our video cast.